up in the morning, love And the sunlight hurts my eyes Welcome back. You are listening to another episode of the Keep the Change podcast, and we've got another episode with Rupert Carline from Kura Kiwi Saver. And it may look like we're wearing the same clothes, but we're on a completely different day. Oh, I have a uniform. You don't have a uniform that you wear every day. Maybe I should. Maybe this can no, that's be. Right, that's make my life a whole lot quicker and easier. Very smart. How much time does that save your day? Oh, probably thirty seconds. Thirty seconds. Okay. <laughs> well, the one thing though. Giving up on shirts has probably been the best time saver that you'll ever have. Yeah. No ironing. No ironing. Nice. Well, this isn't a podcast about <laughs> hacks for efficiency and time, but sometimes it is. But today we're going to be talking to you about the future of KiwiSaver, which I've got some questions and I think some people out there will as well, because I think there's a few people that are skeptical that eventually they're going to keep contributing to KiwiSaver and they're either going to get taxed. Uh, the government's going to take all their money. I hear that one every now and then. Um, or who knows? And you've probably heard some of these things I've heard as well. A lot of them. Yeah. What do you normally hear? Uh, tax. They're going to change the ages. Um, or the government's going to take it away. I think last year with the, the GST tax proposal, I mean, that confirmed a whole lot of people's fears around it just was going to be seen as a big tax grab. Or the other one, and actually, I do have some sympathy with this is um, it's going to be used as a way to stop people getting access to the pension and NZ Super. Ooh. So if you've got KiwiSaver, you won't get Super. So, yeah, look, lots and lots and lots of different things. Um, I've kind of got a dollar each way on that one. Like I do sort of think the reason that I've contributed more to is I wonder that as I get closer to 65, which is 30 years away, that it will get scaled, dialed back, that superannuation. And therefore, I need to ensure that I've got um, a decent Kiwi saver balance, but I know what will probably happen. It'll probably be means tested, and I won't. It'll qualify. be the Kiwi saver that don't, means you don't qualify. Yeah, but I've also kind of set myself a goal to hopefully get to sixty-five and not need my super to then be able to donate it back somewhere. That's awesome because I kind of think that wouldn't it be really cool if we had a way in New Zealand where at a taxpayer level, if you were getting super, that you could say I don't need this but I know I'm entitled to it, but I want to give mine to this fund. And it could be the Auckland Infrastructure Fund, or it could be the Rebuild, the Hawke's Bay, or it could be the West Coasters, the Up and Coming Fund, or whatever. And basically, you push your super back. I think that'd be amazing. Yeah. Um, so I will, you want to vote for that? or? <laughs> oh, happy to vote for that one. I would say that's actually doable today, though. You reckon? Easy. Well, you just you get your, well, I think super's paid fortnightly into your bank account and you just set up a direct debit that comes out the same day. Mm, nice. Because um, super's about $17 billion a year, I think. And I was sort of thought, well, if 50% of people did it for one year, that's the a big portion of the rebuild of the Hawke's Bay done. Well, I'd say that's half the, that's it all probably, most of it done, right? Mm. And I think what's really interesting though, and this, you'd end up with a whole lot of charities that would be popping up and being able to do stuff. And I think what it does is it creates competition among the social services and the social welfare system. So if you had the charitable kind of world that's all of a sudden better funded and better able to contribute, I think a society would be much better off. Mm. All right. That's different conversation. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Got us off tangent there nice and quickly. Um, but yeah, so that is one of the things. Maybe super will get phased out. 
And at the moment, you turn 65, basically, if you've been in New Zealand and you've got residency, you effectively qualify, right, at a yep. very simple high level. And you could still be working. And I think 2020, 30,000-ish people were were earning over $100,000 that were getting super. And I've seen clients Is throughout my accounting career. Yeah, it's pretty high now. Um, throughout my accounting career where they're still working, but they've, they're working to their 70s, and so they're getting super as well, and that's part of their taxable income. Yeah, and... and- I don't think that's right, to be to be honest. Like, I know I know quite a few people of my parents' age and generation and friend group that are all getting it. Um, most of them don't need it. But, but there's a big there. with their demographic though. I always hear no, but like I'm entitled to this. I worked my whole life to get this or something. There's this weird vibe, like they feel like all that money just randomly got put aside and is now being given back to them. But oh, massively, I've paid taxes my whole life, so that's for therefore that's what I get, right? Yeah. Um. They've forgotten about the education, the roading, the everything else they got as well. Yeah, I think, I think in New Zealand, we've probably we've never been willing to have a conversation on population, and we've never been able to have a conversation around long term. What does New Zealand look like? The two facts that are indisputable, or one fact, sorry, we do have an aging population, and what that will lead to is that will lead to the fact that um, we're going to have a shrinking workforce with a percentage of people under the age of 65 is is shrinking and getting smaller and smaller. So unfortunately, an aging population, what that means to New Zealand is we've got massively higher pension costs. So that's why they're expected to go from 4.5% to 6.5% of GDP. We're going to have significantly higher healthcare costs because the cost of delivering healthcare to an older population is significantly higher. And we're going to have less workers to pay for it. Mm. Um, Sounds like a perfect shitstorm. Yeah, <laughs> but you know, look, I'm not even saying this to schema. These are all facts. These yep. are all indisputable facts. Um, but we're not willing to have a conversation about about how we deal with all of this stuff, right? So my my view would be we we have to NZ Super an easy way. We have to make that means tested, but we can't just pull the rug out from people. So therefore, that's where KiwiSaver comes in, because if we say means testing KiwiSaver less people are going to get it but we've made it much easier and we've increased the incentives for them to save on the way through so that they actually get to 65 well prepared for their retirement that's a much better answer as well Mm. and i think to do that we probably need to increase what people are contributing and incentivize that more like you say right because at the moment i mean you'd know more than i but the average balance i think last time i read was around thirty thousand dollars thirty thousand dollars which is after 15 years is still nowhere near high enough. Oh, of course, because that's when KiwiSaver started, right? 2007, yeah. was it? 2007? Started 2007 is when the first schemes yeah. were launched. And so it's it's still it's only 15 years, but at the same time, um, and you do see a lot of much, much bigger balances, but I think there's still a belief. We haven't had a generation of people go through relying on their KiwiSaver yet to retire, mm. so therefore people haven't quite seen the the benefits of contributing and contributing a lot the whole way through. And I think for massive chunks of the population, unfortunately, there is this still this misguided understanding that actually NZ Super is enough and that'll just support me through so I don't need to do anything. The truth is for a couple, $410 a week um, is probably not enough for most of them to get by. I think Massey do a whole lot of research and they say the number to survive is about $800 a week. So no matter how you look at it, there's a gap. 
um, but no one really wants to open their eyes up to that. It does seem strange every time we talk about the, or there's an article about changing the retirement age. It's basically one of those things that politicians can't talk about because they know that they'll lose votes straight away the louder it gets. And so they've got to quickly like squash it back down and be like, let's just put that one out the back and pretend that, you know, that's not something we actually have to sort out at some stage. But we're all living longer as well. So it doesn't make any sense why we're not being realistic about it. I'll be slightly harsh here. On my view is I think extending out the retirement age is a nice white middle class thing to say because you kind of go there are a lot of jobs and a lot of professions where you can't really extend out your career, right? You're a construction worker. Um, you basically you're slogging your guts out for the last ten years, waiting till you can retire. Um, you work as a as a waitress in a cafe. Any kind of labour orientated job, those jobs are hard. Mm. Um, and so that's why I think we're having personally. I think we're having the wrong conversation. Uh, the conversation should not to manage costs on pensions. The conversation is not how do we stop people retiring. It's how do we make sure the right people get the right money. Nice. Um, so means testing, for instance. Well, it's, it's means testing, but it's also going, actually, again, Australia, I think, you hear me talk a lot about Australia. Australia's got one of the most developed superannuation systems in the world. Um, they've got a great scheme set up that means that people have to contribute. People are well, but they're not angry about that because there's massive incentives to do so. Um, we can come back to that. But then what does that mean that allows them to do for their NZ Super? That means that a lot of people don't qualify. But still, I think kind of only, it's only 30% of people that get nothing in Australia out of their, out of their superannuation payments that, from the government. But if you really need it, you can actually get a decent number. So you can actually get kind of 1000 bucks a week or I think it's $1,100 a week if you're kind of really at the lowest ends of the means testing. Um, and then that kind of scales depending on, on where you are and, and what you have. So it, it's not as though it's just you get your 400 bucks a week or you don't because let's be honest, 400 bucks a week doesn't cut it either. Yeah. It's about what have you got, how much can you contribute, and then how do we let the government top up the rest of it. So we're actually designing a system that works for everyone. Before we look at Australia a little bit more, I just want to confirm, say I turn 65 tomorrow, can I tap like a debit card to my KiwiSaver and then basically just uh, spend willy-nilly on that? Pretty much. If you turned around to 65 and said, I want my 600 grand, yeah. you'd get that 600 grand. Sweet. Um, and, but I could leave it in the market too, right? Because this is kind of what I've got in my head, I think. I could build this fund and then I could probably just go down to the Les Mills, get a protein shake or whatever, go see the PT, head back to the apartment for the rest of the day yeah. and then look at the market at the end of the day and be like, shit, look at that. Compounding's helped me pay for that today. And that's what that's what it should be, right? So, and this is one of the things that we try and talk to our clients about, particularly the older clients. One of the things that we do is we recommend, say, if you're 55 or 60, a traditional kind of product will say you've just got to go into a conservative fund, or even there's one product in the market which says you've got to go 100% cash. the The truth is, though, that person is aiming to live to the age of 95. Life expectancy for for our generation is expected to be in the mid 90s and so fuck that's a long time that you've got to be drawing down on that KiwiSaver and you want to make sure that KiwiSaver is still earning that kind of 5 to 10% per year return rather than the 3% return earning cash so you're 100% right the compounding has to keep going and you've got to let the market do keep on working for you 
Shit, I've learned something. If I'm going to live into my 90s, I need to start reconsidering the things I'm doing on the weekends. <laughs> <laughs> you got your 50s and 60s for that. Yeah, okay, nice. We'll tone it down back then. Uh, so if we look at Australia, they are way further ahead, right? They yep. basically, they're super from what I understand, or sorry, they're saving for a time that's compulsory. It's a lot higher and they've been going a lot longer. Is that yep. right? So their, their scheme got introduced in the early 80s. Um, that's now at about point. Two trillion dollars Australian, or two and a half, sorry, trillion dollars Australian, versus our eighty billion dollars. So much, much larger. The key, though, is and why it's larger. It's not only the time, but also the amount they contribute. So recently, that was increased to a maximum of twelve percent, uh, or sorry, twelve percent. I think is the minimum. Uh, yeah. And what they wanted to do was actually they tried to push through a change to make it a minimum of fourteen percent over time. Um, but then they couldn't make that work politically because there's a recognition that that's actually how much people need to be saving to also get through for their retirements. Um, what's also interesting about the Australian model versus ours, so they're doing 12% or and they know they should be doing 14 They're not allowed to take their money out for a first home either. Mm. So for most New Zealanders, we actually start our retirement saving at the age of kind of in our early 30s. Whereas in Australia, they're actually starting from the very first time they start working. And Australians are happy with this. And Australians kind of like this. And the reason they're kind of happy contributing to their super is because of the incentives and the way it works. So over there, your contri- any kind of superannuation contributions gets taxed at 17.5% versus here, everything's taxed at your marginal tax rate. And so marginal tax rates in Australia are actually quite a lot higher than they are here as well. So the top tax bracket over there is 45%. So it's quite a big saving just by putting it into your um, into your super scheme. And then uh, investment earnings, when they're in your tax, in your super scheme, are actually tax-free. Um, and so, again, they've created a set of incentives which, which makes it much more attractive to use that as your preferred savings vehicle, which avoids all the arguments that we have here around, well, why would I put it into KiwiSaver? Why do I do that? Or oh, it's not worth it. Um, and no, actually, I don't want to do it. They're giving people real incentives to save for their retirement. Mm. And none of that happens here. Far out. We're so, yeah, so far behind. It's like, it's such a good idea, but then we've just got stuck at the, oh, we don't want to force too many people to do it potentially. Oh, it's a combination of, we don't want to force it. We don't want to do, think, but like a lot of things, we're not willing to think bigger picture, right? And so the the obvious answer from a lot of people is they get scared because they say, but we can't afford those tax breaks. We can't afford to make that happen. But if you were to do a combination of tax breaks with kind of adjustments to the pension system and NZ Super, you end up net-net in a much better position. Yeah. Um, and that allows the people to kind of, um, yeah, it's almost kind of taking it out from here. So stopping the people that don't need to get pension, they don't get it anymore. True, they might get some pretty good tax breaks on the other side, um, but the tax breaks really work and fund it. And when we look at the numbers out of Australia and what their retirement system costs, it's probably similar to where's ours, where ours is today in terms of as a percentage of GDP. The only difference is theirs is under control and ours is expected to balloon. Wow, great. Uh, the younger listeners will be stoked to hear that because as taxpayers, they'll be the ones. We'll, we'll be the ones it. paying for it all. Yeah. Um, and that's the hard thing, right? Yeah. So at the moment, I think we're approaching about $100 billion of funds under management in KiwiSaver, right? And I think 2022 was a pretty bad year because it went backwards. 
but people were obviously they were contributing as well so we've almost had a bit of a lost year but that's how markets work right but what do you sort of see being the future of KiwiSaver if you're putting your thinking into this what do you predict oh look I think so there's a couple of things right KiwiSaver will keep on growing so it's a, it's a good thing to be in right markets always recover so last year was a pretty shitty year there's no question on it no matter where you were as an investor you couldn't hide from whether it was bonds that went backwards the worst year ever on bonds um markets went backwards and so yeah but what what do we know markets over the long run deliver kind of seven to ten percent return we know bond markets will recover um it's just a matter of time so expectations are for KiwiSaver to grow under the current settings to a $200 billion market by 2030. So doubling, more than doubling from where it is today. But if we can fix the contribution rates and actually turn it into kind of people's primary savings vehicle, then that can be significantly larger today than it than where it is today, right? And so I look at kind of, again, come back to Australia, two and a half trillion Australian dollars. What's that? 2.7, 2.8 Kiwi. Um, their economy is about six, seven times larger than New Zealand. So that actually means that we should be kind of um, thinking about a, a KiwiSaver scheme today, which could be kind of triple where it is right now, um, if you just put it on a thing. And think about what that does to us as a country. You go in Australia, um, the 10% of, or eight to 10% of superannuation investments are in infrastructure. We've got a massive infrastructure bill coming in New Zealand, right? Whether it be um, doing climate change adaption, whether it be actually catching up on all this investment that hasn't been done for the last 40 years. Imagine if we had KiwiSaver funds that were willing to kind of go in and help fund some of this investment. So does that, it doesn't happen at the moment? None of, none of it happens at the moment. Um, there's two things. We've always struggled to find capital to, to do private infrastructure investments. There's been a bit of a reticence in New Zealand to fund infrastructure with private money. Um, and also I'd argue that KiwiSaver is such a new product and hasn't has only just probably reached the scale where providers are able to look at this stuff. Yeah. But the flip side to that, with our focus, 100% focus on fees at the moment, it makes it really hard, right? You as a, as a KiwiSaver client or KiwiSaver member, you don't want me to go and do infrastructure investments because I don't know much about infrastructure you want me to go and find the best infrastructure manager in the world to manage infrastructure investments on your behalf and with the current focus which is fees seems to be the only thing in the world that matters that's really hard for me to do because yeah. i can't afford to go and pay the fees of the really good managers out there so there's a, there's a few things that need to change why can't you just go build me some toll bridges and then we'll just collect some tolls and then we'll get our return back well, so that, that sounds like the uh, that sounds like the fifty five year old who reaches who kind of gets to fifty five with his three hundred grand in a savings account and goes fuck I'll just do development to fund oh, my retirement. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay, apologies. Which, which is I've seen this. You, you've seen it on your work. You would have seen yeah. it a lot, right? Yeah, and, and that's the problem. Like everything, right? You you want experts to do it, mm. and so that's kind of where it sits, right? But is that kind of what it could look like? So say we know we're needing a new Massive. road, for instance, and we go, right, let's let's call on the KiwiSaver Infrastructure Fund and it's going to be run by or managed by whoever and then um, that's going to be a toll road until it's paid back or, or whatever. Like is that what it could look like? That's exactly what it looks like. So what it looks like is you've got a PPP. So you could do it as a PPP, so public-private partnership, whereby the private 
enterprise are the ones that kind of fund a whole lot of the upfront costs. They'll take a lot of the risk on the build, on the maintenance. Um, and then it's paid, eventually paid back over a 30, 35 year period. We did it. We've done it with a couple of the toll roads up north. Um, but we can do it for, for anything we want. Another really attractive model, mixed ownership model, right? Um, so we look at, um, I mean, energy companies are a good example of this currently here in New Zealand, where you've got the government owning 50%, private investors owning 50%. There are so many more opportunities for us to do that with critical parts of infrastructure, whether they be toll roads, toll road companies, whether that be um, rebuilding our transpower, our electricity lines network, whatever we need to do. There's so many different opportunities um, that fundamentally either the government funds them out of general tax and puts it on the debt side, which we're all going to say no to, which means they never get done, or we figure out ways to do it privately. Yeah. And do you think for this to happen, do we need to have a conversation about it? Do we need to change some of the rules? Um, or do we need to kind of like sell the idea to people? Or is just the pool of money at 90 to $100 billion just not big enough? Oh, the pool of money is there. So I think you kind of go, you look at some of those larger providers which might be managing kind of um, 10 to $15 billion. They've got enough to be chucking a couple of hundred million dollars at infrastructure projects. I think there, there needs to be two things happen, right? At a government level, there needs to be an acceptance that this is actually a really good option in a really good way so we need them to help create projects and be open to new projects to kind of fund in this way um, and at the same time at the KiwiSaver level we also need to kind of allow us to have bigger broader conversations right and I, I don't know how we do this um, but fundamentally the current way of which 80% of people do KiwiSaver which is just put it in the standard vanilla bank option yeah that needs to change, right? Because what we do know is the banks will never take any risk or never do anything interesting. What are, what do the banks do with that cash? Uh, they'll invest it. Yep. So uh, the four banks, um, most so if I go through three of the four, look, some of them are passive, some of them are active. Um, as far as I'm aware, none of them do private assets. None of, none of them really do a huge amount. Yep. Um, so, and don't get me wrong, they, they don't run bad schemes. Um, but banks are not people that are ever going to go out and do things differently or um or try and encourage change or, or take risk and that's just in their dna to be honest so then the new zealand super fund and you'd be able to explain this if i get this wrong but that's where the government have put money aside to try and invest into the future to help reduce or subsidize the cost of superannuation, right? And they've yep. got a big pool of coin as well. Yeah. Um, are they investing into infrastructure? Yes, they are. Okay. They are. So they've got, I want to say, 20% of their asset basis in private assets. And so some of that will be in infrastructure. So they, for example, they tried to go in and buy the, um, what, last year? when we are talking about a couple of years ago, talking about light rail, they actually put up a proposal whereby they, plus another Canadian pension fund, would fund Auckland light rail. Mm. Um, so, and they would fund it, manage it, own it, and do it on a private basis to keep it off the government balance sheet. That's, to well, me, that was a pretty good idea. Um, but they've kind of, they've gone and they've invested in forestry, so trees, they're big investors in all of the New Zealand companies, uh, the New Zealand infrastructure companies as well. Infratil, et cetera. Infratil, all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and so, yep, they do a lot. There's a massive opportunity there. But I think what they their argument would be the level of product, and by that what I mean is that there is not enough availability of investment opportunities for them here in New Zealand. Uh. Um, 
and even something else, there's stuff around housing, public housing at the moment that's going on, right, where you've got a whole lot of community housing providers desperately in need of cash. Um, but again, how do we marry KiwiSaver providers up with them to allow them to provide the capital? You get really great returns on a lot of this stuff. So infrastructure typically, or in Australia, was the second highest returning asset class over the last 15 years. So you can get great returns, so it turns into a massive win for the community and also a massive win for the individual KiwiSaver members as well. Nice. I suppose as this space grows, these things are going to happen. It's just going to take It's going to take time. Um, And and look, we will get there, but it's it's just going to take time. And I think it comes back to that contributions conversation because as this product grows and as we encourage more people to participate, what we do is we we build resilience into our communities. Mm. And so resilience comes in many different forms. So whether it be the fact that when stuff goes wrong in life, um, you can use KiwiSaver for your financial hardship. So over the last couple of weeks where the forestry worker who's lost his job, he can come to us and go, cool, I'm going to take my five grand and out of my KiwiSaver fund to kind of help me get through today. Um, the, the family that we've got that needed some money to, um, to pay for temporary accommodation because they've kind of had their house destroyed in Hawke's Bay, KiwiSaver can help with that all the way through to people are confident and comfortable in retirement um, because they've saved enough. And I think you kind of, that's why I go KiwiSaver is such a great tool that we can use for to build that resilience, whether it be infrastructure, hardship, retirement. It does so many different things for so many different people, but we have to start kind of treating it with the respect that it deserves. Here's a tough one for you. Do you think the platforms, and I won't name them, that have made it easier to now invest have made it better or worse for KiwiSaver? Oh, look, I think the current platforms in the market, um, I think that's great. They've turned people into a world of investors. Um, Realistically, what what we need to think about and look at is in two years' time, who is still there and how many people are still investing. And this will come back to a combination of what we've seen over the last kind of couple of months as we've seen fees have grown significantly we've seen the job cuts we've seen kind of these platforms already pulling back um and what i hope is that these things can become permanent parts of the new zealand infrastructure and the new zealand financial infrastructure rather than just simply bull market fads 2000 the stat that i like to kind of talk about 2000 1999 2000 there were about four or five online brokers in new zealand by 2002 there was one wow really um, and was 2022, 2021, 2022 the same thing? Um, yeah. I, I don't think so because I do think a lot of these entities have done amazing jobs around education and around helping their investors on the way through. Um, but often as a financial service provider, it's during these times when the markets are pretty shitty and choppy that we've got to do a much better job around educating and helping our clients. Yet at the same time, that's when all the money dries up. So it makes yeah. it harder to do. Yeah, for sure, yeah. Because I wondered if people are looking at KiwiSaver and going, well, I can invest on an online platform and it's really easy now. Why would I even have KiwiSaver when I can just do it for myself? Yeah, plus you also look at the online platforms and you go, I can take control. And I think that's something that's still missing in the New Zealand market. Um, There aren't, the KiwiSaver platforms haven't really, no one's built a full self-select. I think we've done probably one of the better jobs with the ability to kind of pick and choose around nine different funds and a whole lot of themes and stuff like that. But um, yeah, we still don't have a market where 
like the Australian, the self-managed super in the UK where I have my self-managed pension where people can pick and choose and, and really do what they want. I think what we've seen over the last um, two years is that's a product that people really want. That's a product that people want to get to with the, the launch of the Sharesies and Hatch um, platforms. But we haven't seen that yet in KiwiSaver. And I do think if we could build that, that's actually something that massively increases engagement and that's something that massively increases people's desire to invest in that product as well. Personally, I thought it was really sad that Sharesies weren't able to do the full self-select product. I mean, the KiwiSaver scheme that they're about to launch looks pretty vanilla, um, which I think is really sad. Um, and I'm not sure whether that's a, a, a regulatory issue or, or why what's driven that. Um, but I was hoping that they'd kind of come in with something that would completely transform how people think about KiwiSaver in New Zealand. From what I understand, it's just other providers they've got funds. four different providers i think which basically allows you to choose a growth balance or conservative fund so what's the advantage of using their whatever it is that they're, they're promoting i haven't really looked into it I, I look my i have no idea yeah okay. i think um i don't know potentially yeah. so you can manage everything from a single spot but yeah. um so you can probably log in because people like to be able to log in and see my mum was a classic for instance she would use anz for kiwisaver because she could see it when she went yeah. to internet banking and that was the main thing that was important for her so i wonder if she is is kind of going to play the same uh, I, I think so um big difference you got to remember though the banks have this ability to whenever you walk into a branch or whenever they have a conversation with you on the product and it happens so often and every time in our branch i seem to hear it because i'm listening out for it of course but the Hey, um, I see you don't have your KiwiSaver with us. Mm. Would you like me to just, should we have a look at that? Is there a reason why? Yeah. Um, and it's that ability to kind of get to the customers that have never thought about it that's so powerful for them. Yeah. Yeah. Or let's talk about your insurance. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and that's it, right? They've got every product, right? Uh, they yeah. do. And so I think that's one of the other things that we would love to see with KiwiSaver. And this is going to require product innovation to get there. But how do we... Um, how do we kind of reduce the dominance of the banks, right? The banks plus A&P, who's basically a bank, they control about 70%, 70-75% of the KiwiSaver market at the moment. Um, if we want innovation, we want things to happen and we want things to be done differently, I, I think it's going to need to be done by other smaller providers in the market. Um, but the banks are really hard to compete against. Well, yeah, I read that 75% of people in KiwiSaver haven't sought financial advice but then of the 25% of people who have, 50% of it have got it from the banks. Does that sound loosely accurate? Yeah. The question is, what's the definition of financial advice? Mm. Is it kind of, um, yeah, and I think that's the big question. What yeah, is It's probably just, which fund should I be in? Oh, exactly. you're this age, go into aggressive. Exactly. Forgot to ask, oh, what are your goals? Yeah. What are you trying to achieve? Um, I mean, to give the banks credit, one thing we do see is when people try and leave, We've got this one bank in particular. What what they'll often do is ring up and say, "Oh, we see that you're leaving. Would you like to come and sit down with our KiwiSaver specialist and get some advice now?" Oh yeah, um, which frustrates us as a as a competitor. Yeah, and probably frustrates the customers even more. Sitting there going, "I've been with you for 15 years, and the only time you're willing to have me that conversation with me is when I am um, offered to leave. I'm about to break up." Yeah, yeah. So that, that promise of change at the last minute never quite works. No. Never saves the relationship. No. We actually, in uh, my accounting practice, we talk about that. If a client wants to go, we have a bit of a rule of basically like let them go and help them move on as fast as they can. Because often 
that you, you get taught, I'd oh, try and solve it and, and figure it out. But often, you know, they've, they've made the decision um, and it's, it's past that point. So I think that's really smart because A, you're going to spend a lot of time and effort trying to save that client. And B, the grass is always greener on the other side, right? Mm. And so you almost need to let them, if you're, you're comfortable that you've done the right job and the good job on the way through, um, you almost need to let them go and figure out actually things aren't a million times better somewhere else. Yeah, actually I saw something on that where it's really good when you do lose a customer to get back in touch with them in like three to six months and basically say, hey, just want to check in, make sure everything's okay and let you know that um, would happily have you back because often people will get uh, buyer's remorse, I think they'll call it, but they're too embarrassed to go back to where they've left. So That's an interesting strategy. That's a great, I haven't thought about that, but that's a great strategy. Yeah, so set up some sort of automation or even just like reach out if you guys lose any. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. That's, yeah, um, yeah we, we don't lose very many customers, but that's actually quite an interesting way of doing it. Yeah, there we go. Anyway, uh, back to self-select. So is there a risk with the self-select product so that where it's dangerous where you get that, or maybe it's that small percentage of people that want to day trade it or they'll be wanting to buy and sell or use their KiwiSaver every month without picking and choosing what they're doing? Yeah, but I think it's all about risk parameters. We, we can help clients manage their risk, right? And at, there's, there's two things that go through my mind. One is, as a finance industry, we're extremely good at telling people, you have to do this, you have to do this, you have to do this. And by the way, you're not smart enough to do it in mm. a different way right we're very good at telling people how complicated and how hard our world is um, and that's why they just need to leave it to a professional manager so my view is we should actually give people due respect and we should kind of treat them like adults we should let them make their own decisions but we kind of put some parameters around how they do it right so self-select might mean that they're not allowed to go and invest in, in everything should a KiwiSaver member be investing in Canna South who knows um, if they are though, but we kind of say, look, maybe maybe an asset like that, we're going to cap it and say it's only one to two percent. Um, so there's fundamentally investing is as much about managing risk as it is about going kind of picking the right winners and losers. And with a, it's really easy to manage risk and really easy to find some set parameters around that. And so that's kind of my view as a if you are going to go sell select. You do the risk management side of it for the clients. Um, so you making sure they, they kind of you are managing their risk appropriately, but at the same time, you're letting them kind of take control and try and pick the winners and try and do what they want. So I use a self-select, but I know that there are limitations with it. And one of those was I tried to put part of my Kiwi Saver into A2 milk oh, yeah. before the bull run. And I never got to milk the cow because I wasn't allowed to. Oh no. So, so they then said no. Then, then you were even angrier. Big time. Yeah, I think it was about a quarter of a million dollars I missed out on if I had have like sold at the top, which I wouldn't have because I'm an idiot. So I probably <laughs> you you would have held back to five dollars as well. Yeah, 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 hundred percent. Or I would have sold, you know, a third of the way up and been like, I've clocked this. I am Kiwi Saver, um, but I've tried to buy another couple of shares as well, and they've basically said no. Like you can't. That does that's not on our safe list or something. I'm like, hang on, who's making the safe list? But now, uh, obviously, A2 Milk is. But everyone wrote it on the way down as well, I'd imagine. Yeah. It's a that stuff's really hard, right? Yeah. Um Yeah, I I'd say you should have been allowed to. Mm. Um, but you should have only been allowed to put X percent in. Yeah. Yeah, it was pretty early days, like it was pretty risque. 
Yeah, but anyway, um, I got one right. <laughs> what else can you foresee happening in the KiwiSaver space? Oh, look, I think so. We're going to get hopefully we get contribution changes. Hopefully, um, and then hopefully we just get more innovation and diversification in terms of product. Um, I think New Zealand we're a leader in terms of the ESG, so environmental social governance, first and best in the world. I think at, at what we've done in that space. Um, now I think it'd be great to see the next layer around financial advice. I mean, a rule that we'd kind of love to see is that every single provider has to force every single client to a digital advice tool um, before they're allowed to sign up because that means that gets around this whole problem of people not being there and not being in the right fund and in the right place. But I think we're a long way away from that. I, I think fundamentally the next pieces of innovation are going to be around product and that means how do we bring infrastructure into play? How do we bring more private assets into play? Um, and how do we allow people to make some of their own decisions? Because we know that's what people want to do. Um, and that's what happens everywhere else in the world. We're the only country in the world that doesn't allow this. Um, and that's primarily, I think, because it is a new product, but also because we've still, we're probably further along the spectrum of wanting to protect investors rather than um, treating them like adults. When I think about KiwiSaver, like someone actually asked me last week if I would I go back and do would I do uni again, and I say no. But I mean, admittedly, like it has helped me and whatnot. But it's just unlocked doors. But I say if I were to start again, I reckon I'd probably work in the KiwiSaver space because I just think it's the industry that over the next forty or fifty years, if you commit a career of that long, and I think a lot differently to what I probably would have in my twenties, I'd sort of look at you know, a couple of years and think that was a long time. But now if I was to pick an industry, I think it's probably one of the most exciting ones that we have to be involved in because as the pool gets bigger, you just know that way more cool shit's going to happen. Well, that's why I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think you're 100% right. Mm. It's an industry. But it happens so slowly, right, compared to mortgage yeah, but lending. That, but that'll change. Yeah. And that's, that's about, to be blunt, that's about the big balances moving away from the banks. Yeah. Um, once you start getting a whole lot of those second tier providers with good scale, that's where you're going to start to see it all right. So you have seen over the last probably three years, four years, you have seen Kiwi service funds go, a few of them have started going to venture capital. Um, you have started to see some of the moves into private, private equity and private assets. Um, so it is starting to get there. It's just got a lot, lot, lot further to go. One of the hard things we have in New Zealand is we're a long way away from the rest of the world and it is a small economy and a small market. Yeah. Um, and we, we still haven't figured out how to kind of balance those two things. Um, but we still have an economy that's crying out for capital and we have NZTE spending tens if not hundreds of millions of dollars every year racing offshore looking for capital. Um, so my thinking is that that is here. That will be put to use. It's just a matter of time before we figure out how to do it. I like it. Yeah. I think if we've only got 1.3-ish million people contributing to KiwiSaver actively, like how many people would take a Air New Zealand flight each year? Probably more than that, eh? Yeah. Yeah. So people are willing to spend on a flight. More people will interact and transact with Air New Zealand each year, probably, than what they will to save for their retirement. Yeah, but, but a lot of that comes back down to um, incentives, right? 
that people don't the lollies at the end of the trip exactly there's a lolly there's a lolly at the end of the trip which i'm going to get after my hour and a half yeah uh waiting 35 years to be 65 that's a lot harder yeah yeah. i mean and i think well it's clearly why you do what you do and why you do this this amazing job on podcast that you're looking at your client base right there'd Mm. be very few of your clients that would contribute to kiwisaver because most of them go why why bother Mm. um and that's why we, we need to do, in my view, we need to do a better job at incentivizing, encouraging people to save versus, um, and I, again, I'll come back to, to your job, your kind of your accounting practice. How many of your clients, particularly the ones that are approaching retirement age, businesses don't start to go a little bit sideways, not going so well. Imagine if they had a nice KiwiSaver account that was sitting there as a foil um, so that would what that would do to their stress levels and how they'd kind of change some of their decision making because they weren't kind of they didn't have everything tied up in that single business as well. No, no one can think like that. No one thinks yeah. that far in advance because no one ever thinks they're going to be that person. Um, so we're going to have to do other things, which is basically incentivization to make it more important for people. Yeah, nice. Yeah, I think as well a lot of self-employed people won't contribute because they're not taking a PAYE salary. Exactly. Often they might be taking drawings. Uh, they want to hold the money back in their business to, you know, might just not even be there. So then they're not contributing to KiwiSaver at all. But sometimes clients will ask me, oh, do you think I should be voluntarily contributing? And, you know, I'm not supposed to be giving financial advice, right? So I have to be careful what I say exactly. But I'm basically like, of course, like if you want to be saving for your retirement, you need to be doing something. And if it's going to be doing something rather than doing nothing, then of course you need to set up an automatic payment and, and start making it happen. Yeah, and it comes back to the diversification argument as well, right? Mm. Um, far too many small business owners have all of their wealth tied up in their house and their business. Yeah. Um, and one in 10 businesses go bust in New Zealand every year. You never want to think that it's going to be you, but unfortunately it does. I was speaking to a really sad story from a client last year. Um, she had a, a hostel at 2020. Kind of, I think I spoke to her in 2021. We should finally manage to get her life back together after losing everything. Um, but kind of only just starting on the KiwiSaver journey in her mid-50s at that point because she had always thought the, the business was what was going to solve all the problems on the way through. I uh, know. Yeah. And the more, I've, I've known lots of those stories and mm. that's where I kind of go, that's why this is so important. On one hand, everyone talks about the fact that you can't access KiwiSaver until you're 65 as being the biggest downfall. Mm. I think that's potentially one of its biggest advantages. Yeah, save you from yourself. Exactly. <laughs> I look at it in two ways. So one, with debt, I wish I I, I try and encourage people to think about, because I didn't do this, I was stupid with debt, but ask if you were about to use Buy Now, Pay Later or a credit card or whatever, ask your future self, would they be happy to pay this back for you? Yep. And then the same thing, when I contribute extra to my KiwiSaver, one of the main reasons I did it is because I know my future self will thank my current self for doing it. Yep. Because my future self will be able to see all of the things that will happen in that time period to the point where I go like, shit, I'm glad I did that. But my current self can't see what those things are. Uh, no, exactly. Mm. Delayed gratification. As human yeah. beings, we are, are not very good. You're clearly, your mind is wired in a very different way to Yeah, most a bit people. weird, yeah. Well, it's good. <laughs> yeah. it's, but it's the way, that's the way we, we, we all should be thinking, right? Um, Takes practice for sure. Yeah. yeah. But also, the other honest truth, and this is what I say to people, it doesn't need to be much. And for the sake of an extra 30 bucks a week, $40 a week, 
a couple of lunches or something small, you can make a massive difference. And I think that's what people don't understand is that actually putting aside 50 bucks a week or $30 a week into your KiwiSaver, that actually is a number that turns into 600 grand um, if you do it for long enough. Yeah. And I don't think there'd be many Kiwis in New Zealand that can actually pull out a bank statement and say, I've been able to save 600 grand. Exactly. So I think it is a great mechanism to have a crack at it. Well, thanks, mate, for joining me. Again, that's been really, really interesting. And I think the future of KiwiSaver is just going to continue to evolve and evolve as this number keeps getting bigger. And you're obviously doing some some great work in this space as well. Uh, so if people want to check you guys out, where should they head to? Uh, so we're uh, Cotter, uh, Cotter Wealth, www.k-o-u-r-a-w-e-a-l-t-h.co.nz. Um, go look on the website. Otherwise, try and find us on Facebook. Instagram or anywhere else where you look. Hopefully we appear. You on TikTok yet? We tried TikTok. Yeah. I couldn't make it work. Okay. Um, I think I'll be honest, we um we haven't quite figured out how to set the right tone yeah. to make it appeal. We haven't we're still we like to think that we are a disruptor and not traditional but we're still way too fucking traditional for TikTok. <laughs> oh, well, there you go. Maybe you've just found your tone. Well, uh, if you need some help in that space, I think the people at the Attention Seeker are pretty good at that. Shout out to them for having us in their studio again. But thanks for joining me, mate, and we'll have to do this again in the yeah, future. Yeah, I'd love to. Thank you for having me.